clap if you want. She's like, anyway, good morning. Happy Father's Day. I thought the best way to start Father's Day was to give you some good dad jokes. And here's the, here's what I, who said, oh no, you're out. Here's what I want you to know. Dads, if you want to use any of these later today, you have my permission. Okay. They're really good. So where's the best place to learn to make a banana split? Sunday school. <laughs> wow, awesome. I didn't know I was going to get that. Oh, I had another joke. It was um, about construction, but I'm still working on it. <laughs> you guys are good. Thanks for staying with oh, Somebody's leaving because I'm telling jokes. <laughs> okay, how come you can't hear a psychiatrist when they go to the bathroom? Because the pee is silent. You guys are good. This is a great crowd. Is this on? How's that go? So I was coming in to church, and somebody said that I was um, starting to get a dad bod, and I told them, no, it's my father figure. <laughs> That's all I got. Sorry. There's a reason why I don't open every sip. As they say, don't quit your day job, right? Anyway, happy Father's Day. Glad you're here. We are jumping into uh, Summer in the Psalms Part 2. Part 2, obviously, because we did this last summer, um, and it was great, but we barely scratched the surface. 150 Psalms. Uh, I think we taught through 10 or 11 at the most over the course of the summer, uh, so we have a lot more that we can talk about, a lot more that we can discover uh, as we unpack the Psalms. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about uh, this series. I've been thinking about why I wanted to come back to the Psalms, um, and, and here's what I would say to you. The Psalms have the ability to grow us up. They have the ability to grow us both in our theology and in our walk with God. There is just something about the Psalms that we need to grasp. The Psalms model for us what it looks like to have this honest, authentic walk with God. You know, we see this wide range of feelings and emotions. Some of my favorite authors have written on the Psalms, and uh, Eugene Peterson is one of those. He says, the Psalms are God's gift to train us in prayer that is comprehensive, and honest, prayer that is comprehensive and honest. I love that. Denise uh, Hopkins writes, a journey through the Psalms is a journey of life and faith. We see this, this raw honesty. We see a, a model of prayer that's not cleaned up or eloquent. It's not rote. It's not, not memorized. It's just this beautiful picture of people pouring out what they are feeling to God in a way that uh, probably, if we're honest, we can all relate to. Another one of my favorite authors uh, and, and teachers is N.T. Wright, and he says the Psalms express all of the emotions we are likely to feel, and they lay them raw and open in the presence of God. There's a rawness and an openness to the Psalms. So at this point, you're probably thinking I am trying to convince you to hang out with me in the Psalms, and I am. You are going to get way more out of this series if you are uh, immersing yourself in the Psalms during the week. So I'm inviting you to join us in the same uh, reading program that we did last year. We called it the Plus 30 Plan. Uh, and here's how it works. On the day of the date, you read that corresponding psalm. So tomorrow is going to be the 21st. So you read Psalm 21. 
Then you add 30, and you read Psalm 51. Then you read Psalm 81. Now, this may sound like a lot to read through five psalms, but you can read through five psalms in 15, 20 minutes. Maybe if there's a long psalm, it'll take you 25 minutes. But you can get through them relatively quickly. But you read your five psalms, and if you join with us starting tomorrow, you'll read through all of the psalms twice by September, which would be awesome. Now, here's the qualifier. Don't read Psalm 119 when you get to that one, because it's the longest chapter in the Bible, it's the longest psalm. We save 119 for the 31st, and then you'll catch up and you'll get them all through. Okay, so join me in the, in the plus 30 plan, love for you to have a part of it. I talked about it a few weeks ago, and I talked about God wants us to be a church without curtains. You remember that? Church without curtains is a place where we can be honest with each other, honest about who we are, honest about what we're feeling, that we can be a a church without pretense where there's no pretending. God wants grace to be a place where we can struggle and we can still be accepted, a place where all of our emotions can be shared. And the Psalms are going to teach us how to do that. So one of the things I would say is the community, excuse me, is fostered and strengthened when honesty and vulnerability are present. Community is fostered and strengthened when honesty and vulnerability are present. So a church without curtains, a church without pretending, a place where you can be known and deeply loved, where you don't buy into the lie that if people really knew me, they wouldn't love me. As I was thinking about this this week, Ephesians 4, 15 came to mind. And the writer of Ephesians says that uh, he's talking about, he's exhorting us how to grow up in our faith. And he says, so that you may be, no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. In other words, you're going to be more stable. You're going to be more secure in your, in your faith. And, and you're not deceived by craftiness or deceitful schemes. Look at what 15 says. But rather, speaking the truth in love... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head of the church. And all I want you to see in here is this this correlation, this connection between speaking the truth and growing up in every way. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest with one another and we have to be honest with God if we want to grow up in every way. So the Psalms are are a way for us to learn how to do that. As you read through the Psalms this summer, you're going to see anger and and confusion, and you're going to see confession, and you're going to see disappointment, and you're going to see elation, you're going to see praise, you're going to see worship, you're going to see adoration, right? The list of emotions uh, are endless when you read through the Psalms. But I think one of the most amazing things about the Psalms is that the Psalms were written and meant to be shared in community. It's a crazy thing because as you read these, you're going to find them to be very personal words, personal words unto God, but they were never meant to be uh, written in a closet and, and just in a journal. They were meant to be sung in the congregation with the people. And while that seems odd to us, to the ancient world, it made perfect sense because the whole idea of the individual, the I, really didn't exist in the ancient world. The fact is, you are part of a community. The fact is, what you think, what you feel, how you are responding to God, how are you responding to the circumstances in your life, none of that can happen in a vacuum. They affect the people around you. It affects the community around you. This whole concept of I and and living for yourself, it's a fairly new and pretty dangerous concept. The Bible actually tells us when one hurts, 
We all hurt, right? When one celebrates, we all celebrate. When one mourns, we all mourn. When one, when one, when one is in a, in a rough place, we all can enter into that with them. And the Psalms is teaching us how to do that, right? It's teaching us how to be honest and authentic in our community. So this morning, we're going to start where the Psalms start. We're going to start with Psalm uh, chapter 1. Uh, this is often said to be the preface of the entire psalm. As a matter of fact, some authors say that the rest of the psalm are just an explanation or one long sermon explaining Psalm 1. So if we understand Psalm 1, there are themes, there are, are common themes that you're going to see throughout all of your readings throughout the next two months as you read. But we're going to do it a little bit different. And usually this is where I say grab your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 1. We're going to read it together, but we're going to read it uh, as Ryan, my friend, shares it on a video. After he's done reading it, then you can turn to the passage, but I would rather you just uh, watch this. And here's my encouragement to you. If you're in the room, uh, read aloud with us. If you are at home watching on uh, your screen, uh, I encourage you to read it aloud as well. There's something about communal reading of scripture. So with that, let's watch this video and read along. Hey, Grace family, if you'd read along with me, we're going to read Psalm 1 together. The way of the righteous and the wicked. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Ryan, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the Psalms. Thank you for uh, words that were written uh, thousands of years ago, 3,400 years ago, some of them 3,500 years ago, some of them even longer than that. And here we have them uh, and we can learn from them that we can grow uh, from them. So we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. Uh, Lord, we pray this morning as we enter into this new series that you would awaken our hearts Awaken our minds, help us to understand what you want us to understand. Lord, I pray this morning that uh, we would have a, an interaction with the living God, that we would leave this room different than we came because we've been in the presence of the living God. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for how you move in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you did bring your Bible, this is where I would encourage you to open up to Psalm chapter 1 if you're at home. Uh, I encourage you to keep bringing your Bible. We're going to do the communal reading each week uh, this way, but uh, I do want you to have your Bibles open if you can. And if you do open your Bibles and you look at Psalm 1, you're going to see the header. It says, the way of the righteous and the wicked. And here's what you need to know. Um, when you're reading through the New Testament and you see one of those bold headings, more often than not, those are added by 
the, the interpreters of scripture just to help us navigate the scriptures, the, the headings of the chapters, the, the little phrases that tell us what the next little bit is going to be about. But when you read the Psalms, those headings are part of the ancient text. It's what the authors wanted you to know about the song that they're writing. So this one says, the way of the righteous and the wicked. And this really is the overarching theme of not just Psalm 1, but the Psalms in general. As you read through the Psalms this summer, you're going to see this constant reminder of this is the way of the righteous and this is the way of the wicked. This is the way of those who delight in the Lord and this is those who turn away from the Lord. So this is a, a common theme repeated throughout all of the Psalms. And it's important for us to understand that there are only two ways. There are only two paths. There are only uh, uh, two possible tracks that we can follow. We can follow the way of the righteous or we can follow the way of the wicked. And I would say uh, it's important to understand that this is sort of a fluid thing. What do I mean by that? I mean it's a day-to-day thing. It's a moment-to-moment thing. In one minute you can be walking the way of the righteous and in the very next moment in the decisions you make you can be walking the way of the wicked. Now I'm not talking talking about salvation. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I am talking about walking in the ways that God has called you to walk or walking in your own ways, walking the way of the righteous or the way of the wicked. So if you look at verse one, verse one said, blessed is the man. Now don't get caught up in the gender nature of the scriptures, especially in the Psalms. It's really just saying blessed is the human, blessed is the person, blessed is the student, blessed is the senior citizen, blessed is the woman, blessed is the person who, and then we have the rest of the Psalm. So let me just start by asking you a question. How many of you want to be blessed? How many of you would say, I want the blessings that God has for me? I would think that most of us would say yes to that question, but I would also think that if I were to get 10 of you to come up here and tell me what does it mean to be blessed, we would get 10 different answers, and those 10 answers would probably vary quite a bit as to what it means to be blessed. But that word, that original Hebrew word, here's what it actually means, to be blessed. It means to be happy, happiness, or an inner peace and contentment, a joy regardless of circumstance. Now, if you look at that definition, how many of you want to be blessed? Like who wouldn't say yes to who wants to be happy, right? There's not very many of us say, I'd really prefer to be miserable, right? I, I like... You might actually know somebody that's there, right? Like, the truth is, but if we're honest with ourselves, yeah, of course that's what we want. Right? And, and the interesting thing is, it's a shame, but somehow this word happy has become a, a bad word in Christendom. I taught a, a, a message last December on Luke chapter 2 when the angel of the Lord is speaking to the shepherds and, and announces uh, Jesus' birth. And these are the words that the angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. That word joy there is the Greek word now, and this is the biblical definition of joy. Happiness, there's that word again, merrymaking, jubilation, pleasure, enjoyment, delight, bliss, glee. Christianity around the world is known as the sad religion. And that's a shame because it's supposed to be good news of great joy for all people. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be 
joyful. God wants you to be blissful. God wants you to be happy. But there's a catch. Psalm 1 says there is only one path to joy. There's only one path to blessing. There's only one path to delight or bliss or glee. One path to happiness. Prosperity and blessing referred to in the Psalms. Just so you know, it has nothing to do with circumstances. It has nothing to do with stuff. It's a contentment, an inner peace, a deep joy amidst the storm. It's something that Pastor Kevin so brilliantly preached on last week. It's this shalom peace regardless of circumstances. A peace that passes understanding. The prophet Habakkuk in, in the Old Testament wrote these words. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olives fail, the fields yield no food, the flocks be cut off from the fold, and there are no herds in the stalls. What's he talking about? He's talking about famine. He's talking about nothing to eat. And then he says these words, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. He's saying, even when everything is failing around me, I can still have joy. So Psalm 1, it's, it's making it crystal clear that there is a path to blessing. There's a path to happiness, a, a path, and the path is the path of obedience. Right? It's knowing what God wants from you. It's, what, it's knowing what God is calling you to and being willing to walk the way that God is calling you to walk. There are these repeated themes. If you read through the Psalms, there's like these phrases you're going to see over and over. And I, and I hope each week or several of the weeks we can bring one of those themes forward to help you to under Psalms. But one of them that you're going to see over and over is blessed are those who... You're going to see that phrase, and so I just grabbed some of them. Blessed are those who, Psalm 1, walk in God's way. Psalm 32, blessed are those who are honest. Psalm 34, blessed are those who take refuge in God. Psalm 40, blessed are those who trust in the Lord. 84, blessed are those who draw their strength from God. 112, who fear the Lord. 119, who walk rightly. 119, again, who seek God with their whole heart. We see it really throughout the whole Old Testament, this idea of walking the way that God wants you to walk and being blessed. And then Jesus starts his public ministry with this sermon, commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. And what does he talk about? He talks about the Psalms. He says, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who suffer and because of their suffering receive the comfort of God, that you are actually blessed when you receive God's comfort amidst your difficult seasons. This idea of God's blessing is thematic from Old Testament to New Testament. Life with God, trusting God, leaning onto God, or self-sufficiency, doing what you want to do because, frankly, you just want to do it, right? Here's the reality. We are all incapable of walking the path of the righteous on our own. 
None of us can do it of our own accord. This is not a self-help sermon. This is not a, a legalism sermon. This isn't about just willing it to be more. You cannot walk the way of the righteous without the work of the Holy Spirit and the help of this Holy Spirit and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need the Holy Spirit empowerment to do it. So look at what verse 3 says. I love this. Verse 3 says that when we operate inside of God's plan, when we walk the way of the righteous, it says that we, we prosper, we grow. And then it says, and we are like a tree planted. Right? There is this intentionality in the way this language is used that we are actually planted in a place where we can prosper. We are planted in fertile soil where we can grow. We are planted in a fertile place where we can bear fruit regardless of the season. We are purposefully planted where we need to be in order to be fruitful. God gives us everything we need to grow, everything we need to prosper, everything we need to be fruitful. But like our forefathers before us, we are rebellious in nature and we have this ability to uproot ourselves and to put ourselves in a place where we no longer bear fruit. We choose things and life becomes chaotic and, and full of pain and the fruit no longer is, is born in our lives. Here's the bottom line. You cannot prosper and be blessed and go against God's desires, right? But we're so easily deceived to think the opposite. Psalm 1, if you want to be blessed, if you want to be happy, you have to delight. You get that, like, you're going to see that word over and over in a psalm. Those who delight in the law, those who delight in the ways of God, you have to delight in following God, not because it's restrictive, but because it's protective, it's there to protect you. Not because it confines you, but it's the very thing that's going to unleash your life. Not because you have to, but because you truly want to. You delight in hanging out with God and following the adventure that he lays out for you. Not out of compulsion, but out of delight. I asked earlier, how many of you want to be blessed? And again, I would think that all of us would raise our hand. But let me ask another question. How many of you want more of the Holy Spirit? How many of you just say, I, I want to experience God more. I want to know the Holy Spirit more. I want the Holy Spirit to work in my life more. I had a conversation with a guy this week, and, and he said, I just don't know if I believe that you can, can know God on a day-to-day -day basis and experience God in your everyday life. I'm telling you, you can. How many of you want more of the Holy Spirit. There is this direct connection, get this church, there is a direct connection between the decisions you make and what you are focused on and how you experience the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, I want to be clear here. I am not saying that, you, that you're going to lose your salvation. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit isn't there. I'm talking about this filling and this knowing and this day-to-day, in-the-moment living with the Holy Spirit at work in your life. I found myself thinking about this more than anything else this week as I was thinking about the sermon, and I felt like God brought to mind uh, that part of Michelangelo's painting in the Sistine Chapel where uh, God is reaching for Adam, and Adam is, is reaching for God, and I couldn't show all of Adam because he forgot his fig leaf. <laughs> Dad joke. Anyway... But I was thinking about this picture, and, and I know this isn't how the rest of the picture really is, but in my mind's eye, what I was seeing was this picture that we are all reaching for God. You're reaching for God. Even if you don't know it, you're reaching for God. 
Your, your soul is desperate for God. You are reaching for God. But, but I had this picture in my mind that while we're reaching for God, with the other hand, we are clinging tightly to all kinds of destructive stuff, stuff that, that keeps us from taking hold. And it's not that God can't reach us, but I think God is saying if you want it, you got to let go. Right? And, and, and we're clinging to clinging to, to, to wanting to be more successful. We're clinging to money. If, if money is, 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 a, is a catch for you, you're clinging to unforgiveness. We're clinging to, to pornography. I mean, the list goes on and on. All of the things that we can, can cling to that keep us from taking hold of the hand of God, of experiencing all that God has, of having the Holy Spirit fill us and indwell us the way that he wants to. One of my life verses is from Jonah chapter two. It says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. I memorize this in a different translation. The translation I memorize it, it says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace God has for them. What does that mean? It means you literally say, God's saying, here, I have all of this for you. I have something amazing for you. I wanna pour out my spirit in you. But as long as you're gonna cling to whatever that is, I am not going to give that to you, I cannot. You are forfeiting the very gift that God wants to give to you. As I sat there this morning and I was thinking about this sermon, I began to realize like God has already put in place all of these creative ways for us to release our grip. Generosity and even tithing and giving, that's a way for God to say, are you, are you clinging to your mind? Are you willing to be generous with what I gave you? Are you willing to open your hand and give back serving? Right, so we can be so self-consumed. When you begin to serve, you let go of worrying about yourself and you begin to see others. Or, or Sabbath, Sabbath is this beautiful, why did God even put the Sabbath into place? Because it was to teach people to let go of control and to realize that God is their provider, but they want to control everything, so they hold on tight to what they have. God has already put in place all of this. Why did Jesus say, pray for your enemies? Pray that God will bless your enemies. Why did he say that? Because he knew if you would pray that, you would release your grip on unforgiveness. Sometimes we just want revenge, Right, and we're holding on to this, and we're saying, God, bless me, bless me, but, but, not, but you're holding on so tight. He's saying, yeah, I want to, but you gotta let go. You gotta let go. Psalm 1, it promises that if we lean into Jesus, if we walk the path that he has for us, that we will have more of the Holy Spirit. We will bear fruit in every season. We'll be blessed. We will prosper Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I got a question for you. How many people in your life, the people that know you best, maybe the people that live with you, how many of them would describe you as kind and gentle and joyful and patient, full of self-control, right? How many of them would, would look at you and say, you display, how many people are, are, are looking at you and say, man, you show me the love of God in your life. That's what God wants for you. Right, I, I was challenged this week when I was reading my devotionals and uh, the guy that was writing the devotional said, you know, sometimes we pray for patience or we pray for joy and, and you shouldn't pray for patience, you shouldn't pray for joy, you should just pray for more of the Holy Spirit. You don't need more joy, you need more of the Holy Spirit because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. You don't need more patience, you need more of the Holy Spirit because patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Pray for more of the Holy Spirit. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put a prayer on the screen for you. And I'm going to ask you 
uh, to bravely pray this prayer. I'm not going to ask you just to pray it today. I'm going to ask you to pray it throughout the week. I'm actually going to ask you to pray it throughout the summer, but, but to pray this prayer in earnest. Lord, give me more of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, show me anything that I'm clinging to that hinders more of your spirit. Why is it a brave prayer? Because when he begins to show you the things that you're clinging to, sometimes it hurts a little. We begin to see our selfishness. We begin to see our sinfulness. We begin to see, God is saying, just let go because what I have for you is so much better. What did Pastor Kevin say last week? He said, cut the crap, right? We all have it. I was convicted by that. I got crap. We all got stuff that we're clinging to. Are we willing to let go of all of the things that hinder the flow of the Spirit in our lives? God wants to bless you. God wants you to be happy. But it only happens when we follow the source of our happiness. It's not a hot girlfriend, especially if you're married. Another dad joke. It's not getting into the right college, right? It's not having the right network of friends. It's not a better car, a bigger car. It's not a different spouse. The blessing that we're talking about, the, 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 the very prospering that we're talking about goes way beyond any experience. It's about God himself. Delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart is what the word says. So John's going to come and he's going to sing uh, Psalm 1 for us. He told me that he was mowing the lawn and God gave him this song. So I told him he needs to mow the lawn more often because it's a really good song. Um, so he's going to sing for us. And I'm going to encourage you uh, as he's singing to just sit with this prayer. Pray it. Earnestly pray. God, give me more of your Holy Spirit, but show me anything that hinders all that you have for me. Blessed are the ones who delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it all night, all through the day. They will not be found with the scoffers or walking with the wicked. Blessed are the Take on it. 
Beautiful. Thank you, Johnny. The group met between the services and prayed for you. And um, one of the things that they heard is that there are some of you who are struggling with depression and anxiety. And the Lord would like to give you joy in exchange, kind of fitting to what we talked about today. Um, that there's a woman here that's struggling with doubt or on, on watching online. We'd love to pray for you. And that there's just a need for some freedom and spiritual healing. So if that resonates with you, if you know that's a, a word for you, we would love for you to come down. We have some gifted people who would love to meet with you and pray. If you're online, there's a number on your screen. You can just dial that, uh, and they'll put you in a private prayer session with a trained uh, prayer, and we will pray for you that way as well. God bless you. If you have any spiritual needs, physical needs, anything that you want prayer for, we've got some great people that would love to meet you down here. Jump in the Psalms. Join me in the Plus 30 plan, and uh, we'll see you next week. God bless you.